percent chance cloudy skies lows low 40s slight chance of showers on wednesday again mainly in the afternoon 20 percent chance mostly cloudy and temperatures mid 50s from the mater weather center in the center of the universe this is joe gardner The Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland. Studios of 1029 The Mater, unfortunately not able, of course, to be at Sports Page Grill Ashland as the COVID-19 pandemic continues, um, but uh, life continues as well and events continue as well. And in this hour, we will talk about several of them that have happened in the sports world. Uh, one is the Virginia High School League's current stance on trying to play spring sports at the high school level, even with... Uh, Governor Ralph Northam, remember last week, saying that schools were going to be closed for the remainder of the 2019-2020 school year. Uh, the Virginia High School League's response to that kind of held out, dangled a carrot a bit of hope that maybe there could be some sort of competition if it came to be late May or June. Um, the, the problem with that being that with schools being closed, who's around, who's not? Uh, who could, uh, from a liability standpoint, legally step onto the property and hold a practice or play a game? And, you know, what if some schools say yes and other schools say no? School systems. Um, and on top of that, I think the thing that kind of, uh, the best I can tell you is kind of shot through the heart of that announcement. It had a little bit of hope in it, but the final question in their frequently asked questions section in the release they sent out to the media last week was, will there be uh, state championships? And they unequivocally answered that question with no, that no matter what may or may not happen, the BHSL will not do spring jubilees in 2020. So there'll be no state champions this year in baseball, uh, softball, soccer, lacrosse, tennis, and uh, outdoor track. So uh, it was almost as if the VHSL didn't have the heart to tell everybody that it was done. Uh, almost maybe they, and, and I, I can understand that because, you know, you make an announcement that affects the lives of literally thousands of, of kids between the ages of really from middle school, 12 and 13 years old, playing on spring teams there all the way to seniors in high school this year, the class of 2020 carries a lot of weight and it's very very difficult of course you know firsthand if you were with us last monday night talking with uh taylor sanderford from randolph making softball about her firsthand experience of you know literally finding out at the practice field that her senior year not just her season but her senior year and thus her career most likely was over and i say most likely because the ncaa is still working on issues in terms of maybe an extra year of eligibility for students student athletes i should say um and i know that there's some seniors who might be able to take advantage of that but then there are other seniors who at this time 
you know, the ship's already sailed. They've already gotten their job post-graduation, or maybe they're headed to the military post-graduation, whatever the case may be, and they just won't physically be able to take advantage of that year. So uh, there's there's some ambiguity in the Virginia high school leagues, but I really, really think it's just in the bottom of their heart. They're like, we just don't have the heart to make that announcement yet, but I think it's pretty clear that we're not going to see uh, anything at the at the middle and high school level here until uh, really honestly we're going to have to t- turn our attention to fall and talk about here in the subsequent weeks to come especially in april and may uh for football for example that of course is a big time for seven on sevens I, none of them look like they're going to happen and if they do they're going to have to be pushed back but they can only be pushed back to a certain point because there's a dead period at the 1st of July for fall sports. Uh, and then a few weeks after that, you start training camp for fall sports at the high school level. Plus, July 1st is the date where they turn the calendar on the new year from a physical um uh, the from the uh, uh, physicals standpoint is what I'm trying to say. You have to have a physical by July 1st that's going to be good for the 2021 school year. So if you don't have one of those, uh, and and let's say they tried to do seven on sevens from mid June to mid July, then suddenly you may have some issues there. So there are a lot of things. Uh, that have to be ironed out to even make sure that opening night August 27th is right now on for high school football Uh, you know and at the college level we're we're counting the days down to September 5th for the opening you know game on that Saturday of Labor Day weekend for for Randolph-Macon and will it happen we we're just going to have to wait and see because everything as you know is being pushed back and that is even up to the national and the international level uh with the national hockey league already eliminating their draft which was the end of june up in montreal and of course canada with much less of an issue right now with COVID 19 as the united states has but still an issue nonetheless the nfl draft was going to be no public things in las vegas but they were going to do it there now they're not even doing it in las vegas they're going to have to come up with some sort of a video conferencing way to do it if they do it i i frankly am beginning to wonder if maybe they're going to think about just postponing it here for a little while uh depending upon really why i think what happens here in the next week to 10 days as we continue to hear reports that in various areas of the nation you know COVID-19 is starting to 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 really rear its ugly head so to speak and then you combine that with the increased amount of testing and we're going to get a much better idea of what's really going on so all that being said that's kind of where we are in a standstill Wimbledon is wait and see uh U.S. Open Golf is in trouble because where it's supposed to be this year winged foot they had closed and I think they still are currently closed and if the USGA officials can't get in and get the pre-prep done in time they may have to postpone that from the middle of june um and of course the olympics are now next year and they announced today that they will be basically a one year later july 23rd of 2021 will be opening ceremonies uh, rather than july 24 of this year and they will continue through the 8th of august all right when we get back after this first break let's turn our attention locally and let's also turn our attention away from covid 19. we're going to take a a trip back um about four decades and i was thinking about this in the car driving over to do the show how do you make this introduction and i think i've got it we'll see how well i do as carol LaHaye is with us tonight here in the red zone we're going to go back and look at 38 incredible seasons 647 victories and so much more when we come back on the other side of our first break here in the Mater Studios on this Monday night, Calvin Cecil at the controls in the window behind us. We're back in a moment. You're in the Red Zone. We'll be back with more from the Red Zone after these messages. 
Where do you bring the family for sports, great food, and excellent service? Sports Page Grill in Ashland. Walking distance from Randolph-Macon College, Sports Page Ashland features 40 and 55-inch TVs, all high-definition flat screens. Sports Page Ashland has something for everyone on the menu, like their fresh Angus beef burgers or chicken wings, which everyone agrees are the best in town. Kids' night is Wednesday. All kids' meals are served on Frisbees that they can take home. Your family will love the friendliest faces you can find anywhere north of Richmond at Sports Page Grill in Ashland. For nightly specials and more, check them out on Facebook. Sports Page Ashland. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. From the Mater Breaking News Center, the latest local news regarding COVID-19. Governor Ralph Northam tightens the statewide stay-at-home order this afternoon in a press conference in Richmond. This executive order takes effect immediately and will stay in place until June 10th unless amended or rescinded by a further executive order. It directs Virginians to stay home except in extremely limited circumstances. Individuals may leave their residence for allowable travel, including to seek medical attention, work, care for family or household members, obtain goods and services such as groceries, prescriptions, and others that have been outlined in Executive Order 53, which can be found on the governor's website. It also directs all Virginia institutions of higher education to stop in-person classes and instructions immediately. Private campgrounds must close for short-term stays. Beaches will be closed statewide except for fishing and for exercise. In the conference, it was reported one 1,020 cases now of COVID-19 in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the death toll stands at 25. Nationally, the United States, which hit the 100,000 mark earlier over the weekend, now has over 153,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. The death toll is now at 2,828, 790 of which are in New York City. We'll check SkyScan weather in a moment after NBC News Radio, which starts right now. It's a Monday evening, and we forge on here in the Red Zone. Hi, friends. Rob with them. So glad that you're with us here on 1029 The Mater, 102.9 FM, 1430 AM. Our fans listening tonight on the TuneIn Radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L. And a good evening to those of you listening online, both at rbasportsnetwork.com and hanovercountysports.net. And by the way, we are streaming The Mater the radio station live in place of radio now 24 7 so if you're outside the mater listening area and need to get uh, a fix of the rva's best music variety but also the latest on covid 19 from a local news standpoint we have updates at 10 past every hour along with nbc news radio and if you can't get us say you're uh, south side uh, let's say you're in the tri-cities you are one of the few who are still going to their offices and you can't get us because in the building it's a little squirrely trying to get the 102.9 fm no problem yeah tune in radio app Radial is spelled R-A-D-I-A-L-L. And on your laptop, uh, we have a, a permanent link at the top of the page now through the pandemic at rbasportsnetwork.com. Just click on that and you can listen to us online anywhere at any time. So 
The year was 1980. Jimmy Carter was president. Gas was a little cheaper than it is now. I saw it today at $1.34 a gallon. Unbelievable. Um, There were hostages in Iran. We were in the midst of that. We were in the midst of a presidential election. And a lady by the name of Carol LaHaye first became a part of Randolph-Macon College Athletics. We'll tell the story of how that came to be in a moment. And now we flash forward, and it's been 40 years, and, and she will be the first to tell you she blinked and she missed it. It's so hard to believe that after 38 seasons as head coach of Randolph-Macon women's basketball, Coach Carol LaHaye has announced her retirement, and she has been kind enough to practice social distancing and join us live here in the studio. We are six feet apart, by the way, and we elbowed as you came in, correct? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> coach, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Rob. Can, can I always call you Coach? I, I just, what else can I do? I don't know. I had a friend that told me, um, you know, once you retire, you lose your first name. And I wasn't quite sure what that meant, but he said, you know, you're right now you're Coach LaHaye, but once you retire, you lose your first name. And I'm thinking, but you know, I know some people that are out of the business, but I still call them coach. Mm -hmm. So I can see people still calling me coach. So, um, but maybe they'll feel more comfortable. I did have a dad email me and he, he addressed me as Carol instead of Coach LaHaye. So maybe, um, that's what that kind of means well there'll be like a grandfathering period you know where <laughs> that'll <laughs> like, be all right you call me coach for the next year or two as you get used to it and it'll be fine what's that cliche that uh I, i've had players in the past that should i call you coach lahey or carol or mrs lahey or what and i said it doesn't matter what you call me yep. as long as you call me that's right as long as so, you do it as long as you do it so coach let's let's work back Graduate 1977, you hail, for those of you who don't know, and I have an affinity for this, uh, being that my father's side of the family is from there as well, from the beautiful state of Maine. And you had your degree in, remind me again, what? Business management with an emphasis on recreation. On recreation. And that was which university again? University of Maine at Machias. Now, where is that exactly? It's way down east. Okay. Um, near the Canadian border. Got I it. mean, one of our highlights was to go to Campobello Island. Um, so that's, you know, across the border. Um, so way down east, go through Ellsworth and, and head head down you can take route one all the way down that way so how far away was home from school about two and a half hours three hours hey that's not bad so where's home my i grew up in mid-coast maine warren okay and uh grew up there all my brothers and sisters but as soon as we graduated um my parents moved back to southwest harbor which is where my mother was from and grew up and so she and my dad uh, that's where they got married and so they decided to move back to southwest harbor so i sort of call southwest harbor my home Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the carol side of the family is back that way um i just i love mount desert island more people know where mount desert island is by harbor i was born in by harbor oh my Um, so more people know where that is than they do warren so i i kind of call southwest harbor my home but it it really i grew up in warren maine warren maine okay so take me if you know approximately how long would it take me to get from warren to waterville probably 
an hour and a half. Oh, that's not far. Yeah, not Waterville's far. in Central Maine, right just outside just outside of Augusta. Yep. Man. So Augusta is about forty-five minutes. Um, Waterville, maybe maybe not even an hour and a half. Actually, not quite a, depends on the traffic. It depends on the traffic. Exactly. Depends on the summertime or the winter time too. Oh yes, big time, big time. So you you, you graduate with that degree, and and now it's time to try to put it to work. And I, full disclosure here, we have had a conversation for an article on her retirement that you will see in the Mechanicsville and the Ashland Hanover local coming up on Wednesday. Um, so I know what's coming, but I want the listeners to understand. You went through quite a process trying to figure out where your next step was going to be after college, did you not? I did. I did. Um, at the University of Maine at Machias, I was one of four people in the inaugural business management class uh, for recreation. And so I had a senior seminar class that uh, the professor said one of our tasks was to work on our resume and get that out and he said if you don't mind relocating send your resume out and of course I was a member of the National Parks and Recreation Association so they had a job listing every week every month and so I sent out my resume every place across the United States, areas where I thought I might like to live. And in in particular, if I knew somebody that lived in that area, then I would think that I could stay with you for a week or two until I found my own place if I if I was lucky to get a job. Right. I got a lot of rejection letters, just a lot of rejection <laughs> letters. That would discourage most people, I think. But lo and behold, Hanover County Parks and Recreation. They uh, were involved in a federal grant at the time called the Compre- Comprehensive Employment Training Act, CETA. And um, Don C. was the director of Parks and Recreation. And he, I don't know, something attracted him about my resume. And he called me and wanted to know uh, when I was coming down. And I said, well, I, I can come down anytime, basically. I had a, a person that had worked at, at Randolph, uh, worked at University of Maine at Machias, um, was now working at Randolph-Macon, so I figured I could check in with her. But at any rate, I came down, and uh, Mr. C gave me that interview for, it was called a draftsman trainee, and um, the project was to design the Poor Farm Park. Okay. And so... Um, I was telling Paul Woody this the other day. I'm not sure how many playgrounds I designed out there, but I cut a lot of grass, and I saw the biggest black snakes I've ever seen in my life. Thank you very much. I could care less. Um, But the Poor Farm Park was my initial project, and I got very excited about that, and it's wonderful to see that um, facility now, that multi-use area just fabulous isn't that amazing <coughs> and do you remember the first time you went out to that property yes the grass was as almost as tall as i was <laughs> and that's what mr c said we had to do um i had my first experience with a yazoo lawnmower oh man and that was a monster machine <laughs> and thank goodness i had that when i saw all those black snakes but yeah, give me a little rate. bit of protection at least. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> so the, you, you, you've been in Hanover County for a little while, and then is was it on a whim that you decided to, to walk over to Randolph-Macon one day? How did you make that connection? Was it a desire to get into coaching, or tell me how that came to be? Well, I was, um, during my senior year in college, I was a co-head coach with one of my teammates at the University of Maine at Machias. We were the local high school 
girls coaches. Okay. And so I had a taste of coaching in that respect. But um, I was enjoying, enjoying my job at Parks and Recreation, but I developed a friendship with my dear friend, Rachel Anderson, mm. who has since passed away. And um, I asked her, you know, what was the opportunity for me to um, come over and help with basketball? And she said, well, she wasn't quite sure I would have to check in with Linda Lurch, who was the head coach at that time. And so I made a, made an effort to go over and talk to Linda and ask if she needed any help. And she said, I sure do, but I can't pay you. And I said, I'm really not looking for pay. I have a full-time job. Uh, I can only help you when I'm available, when I'm not working and everything. And she said, love to have you come on over. And so I was a volunteer assistant in, in 8081. And ironically, um, you know, Coach Lurch, she never traveled with the team. The team traveled separately in a van, and Coach Lurch drove separately. Hmm. And so I would always ride with her when when I was was able to uh, leave my job early or if the games were close enough. And so we never traveled with the team, so I never really got a full development of what team travel was was like. Um, But that was my first experience at Randolph-Macon in 8081 as volunteer assistant. Do you remember the final record that year? I do not. You don't. <laughs> I do not. I'm, I'm not very good with those types of statistics. People ask me all the time, you know, like, well, what's your record? Or well, what was your, what was that record back in 95, 96? And mm-hmm. I go, oh my gosh, I don't remember. I don't know. I was caught up in the moment coaching. Mm-hmm. Sure was. And a lot of people, let's take a, let's diverge here for just a second. A lot of people don't understand that concept, but you know, I'm the guy who can open up the paper in the morning and check the you know the standings, or in this day and age, go on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but when you're in the midst of the season, people don't understand how how many other things that are going on that are demanding your attention, and you're not sitting there obsessing on the newspaper like we are as fans. You can't be. No, I don't even think about that. Uh, it might stay with me if I glance at it. I might it might stay with me for a few hours or you know if you ask me right right then and there like what's the record? It's, it's kind of like when I check the Red Sox or the Bruins or something like that. I might know the record that day. That day. Um but you know after that it's like I don't know. Mm-mm. All systems go. Yeah. Yep. Statistics is the same way with with various statistics on players and all of that. It's just like you, you they're there. It's it's going to happen. It's it, it's part of part of the game. But it's like I, I can't dwell on that. And, and isn't it? And I didn't think about this. I didn't make the connection until I was on my way here this evening. Isn't it ironic that the last two points that were scored by Randolph Macon women's basketball, as you as being head coach, gave one of your players one thousand career points? Was that's that's just astounding to me in its irony. Well, I didn't even think of that, Rob. So. I, I, I didn't until about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> but uh, Michael Ross is, yeah. scored just before the, the buzzer, and in three years, she scores the, the Glen Allen product scores a thousand points. Yeah, that's yeah that that's definitely significant to her and and to me, to be honest with you. But I never gave it a thought. Never. Never gave it a thought. Never crossed the paths. No, sorry to say. <sighs> so volunteer assistant eighty eighty one. 8182 was a very interesting year for several reasons. Uh, one, there was a change there at Randolph-Macon. You were still involved with the program. 
And the NCAA woke up and realized, you know what? We, we need to do something about women's sports. Yes. That was a crazy year, wasn't it? That was a very crazy year. And um, that's when, uh, well, Coach Lurch decided to uh, take another job. She left in late July of 81 um, to, to go to Cornell. And uh, Rachel Anderson came to me and she said, would you be interested in the job? And I said, yes, very much so. And um, I said, I'd love to take over the basketball program. And of course, it was it was a young program. Billy Wood had started it in 1976. And so it, it still was quite, quite young and not much recruiting and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I told her I, I really wanted that position. And what did I have to do? When I think she had a couple other people apply as well. But then Billy Wood came back and said, you know what? Uh, I started this program and I'd like to be the coach, but he had gotten involved in the brown bag, which was his little store up on Route 1. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know how much involvement he was going to have with the basketball program, but he said he just wanted to be the head coach. So he came in for practices and games and all of that. But I was the one that was full-time in the office every day and, and doing some recruiting and different things. But when the college decided to hire Billy back, Rachel Anderson said, well, we want you to stay in that position, but you can be the head soccer coach and the head lacrosse coach. And I said, oh, I don't know anything about those sports. And she goes, well, that's what the position is, head soccer, assistant basketball, and head lacrosse. And I go, oh, I said, well, I will learn. I will learn. I will Mm. learn. And I went to the library and I studied and uh, I had two male students um, who were very good in soccer. They were, they were the uh, coaches in terms of the skill, skill sets and all of that. And I kind of managed the people, but we were one of the inaugural varsity programs for women's soccer in the state of Virginia. Wow. Because that first that first year uh, we played teams like William and Mary, James Madison. We, we even went down and played Duke. Wow. Um, we played UNC uh, <laughs> with Anson Durantis teams. Um, whoa, that was a, a real eye opener as bet. well. But anyway, 81, 82, I was that, I was a head soccer coach, assistant basketball, a head lacrosse coach. Your lacrosse team didn't do too bad that year. Oh, yes. uh, Lacrosse is a lot like basketball, and I had some very nice players, (laughs) skilled, talented players. And we went in, seated um, eighth in the nation, and came back seated, or came back, finished fifth in the nation. Not bad for a coach who went to the library to figure out how to coach it. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and that was in the in the, the last days of the old AIAW, who used to be the governing body for women's sports collegiately. And then the NCAA, as I mentioned, took it over in, in 82. And you took over the program there in the fall of that year. Well, when the college made the decision to join the NCAA, um, they decided to put the program at full force and they needed a head coach that was going to be full time. And so they asked Billy Wood if he would do it. And like I said, he had just uh, initiated a new business and I think he was full in, full force into that. So he turned them down and I was in the right place at the right time. And I'm truly blessed and thankful, thankful for Billy that he had just initiated his new business and thankful for the college that they decided to give me a chance. When we come back with head coach Carol LaHaye, Randolph making women's basketball, I want to talk a little bit about the early years and the transition to Division Three, 
and how things really got going in the mid 90s and you mentioned the year just a few seconds ago uh and and also take some more trips down memory lane but just the growth in uh, aspect of the program in the time that you have been here you've 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 seen not just this program that you've led but the entire sport revolutionize we want to talk about in what ways that has happened she'll join us back on the other side of this break we are live in the mater studios on this monday night back in a moment you are in the red zone there's more to come right after this short break Massey Wood and West has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923, offering the finest in HVAC systems, home heating, fuel oil, propane gas, and more. Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil cooling and heating equipment, offering professional service and installation of HVAC systems, gas, or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by a century of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West also gives you one Stop shopping for standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and other quality Heil equipment. Call today. Stay cool in the summer, warm in the winter with Massey Wood and West. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Or go online to MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. Massey Wood and West, prompt, dependable service since 1923. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start Program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-418-0534. 800-418-0534. 800 Where do you bring the family for sports, great food, and excellent service? Sports Page Grill in Ashland. Walking distance from Randolph-Macon College, Sports Page Ashland features 40- and 55-inch TVs, all high-definition flat screens. Sports Page Ashland has something for everyone on the menu, like their fresh Angus beef burgers or chicken wings, which everyone agrees are the best in town. Kids' night is Wednesday. All kids' meals are served on Frisbees that they can take home. Your family will love the friendliest faces you can find anywhere north of Richmond at Sports Page Grill in Ashland. For nightly specials and more, check them out on Facebook. Sports Page Ashland. We sure miss our friends over at Sports Page Grill. Hope to be there very, very soon and get in the red zone back into its uh, right and proper location. We thank them for their support as well as our friends at We Think and Inc. As well as, of course, our friends at Massey Wood and West. Thanks for being with us here tonight. Rob with them going down memory lane a bit with Carol LaHaye, who just announced her retirement as head women's basketball coach at Randolph Macon. So, coach, uh, the, the early years, it wasn't you weren't in the ODAC and, and, and it wasn't Division three and it was so different. And you mentioned, you know, what recruiting you did do as opposed to how recruiting is now. Um, first decade or so saw a lot of changes to try to get 
the, the, the program into now the beginnings of what we understand it to be today. Would that, that be a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, and you recall that I'm, I'm the head soccer coach. That's right. Assistant basketball coach and head lacrosse. Well, those seasons overlap. Overlap. And so, um, you know, I didn't do a very good job of recruiting in those early years. How I could just, you? I just did not um, get out, could not get out. Um, you know, basketball practice ended. Uh, we cleaned the gym and here comes l- the women's lacrosse team. And so, you know, I remember doing lots of things inside Crenshaw <laughs> with uh, women's lacrosse in those cold days, <sighs> late January, early February, mm-hmm. and certainly the overlapping seasons. But you know, women's women's sports were just beginning to come alive back then, and so we did experience a lot of growing pains, a lot of growing pains, and it was new for the college as right. well. Um, predominantly male school, only having gone co-ed since 1972, so we were we were still you know, struggling. In, and really in infancy, when it comes to the life of a basketball program, I mean... I, I off just off top of my head I think of when Longwood decided to go to Division one <clears throat> it's now been 15 16 years since that process began and they're still uh, and I know this from my daughter being there for the last four years graduating back in May they're still kind of getting their footing in certain certain sports they're doing fine yeah you know, they're still frankly in basketball they're still trying to make their way in the big South Conference to try to really put their imprint on that to become uh, a team to be reckoned with on a consistent level, a consistent basis. That takes a, and that's Division One. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in Division Three, that that can take a very, very long time. Yes, and well, I mean, you mentioned Longwood. I mean, at that time, 1982, when I took over, up until 1990, uh, we competed at Division Two, and we were competing with schools like Longwood, Liberty, Radford, UMBC, schools that have since gone Division One. So I always say we had no business. Uh, We had no business being there. Why were we there? Well, our men were competing at Division II. And when we joined NCAA, we had to follow suit with our men's programs. So men's basketball, men's soccer were Division II teams at that time. And so women's basketball was put in to that Division II level. And then we didn't even have a chance to participate in the conference. At least our men were in the Mason-Dixon conference. But our president at the time wasn't quite sure we were going to stay there, either in that conference or in Division II. And so he did, he made the decision that we probably shouldn't join a conference. And so we were just playing anybody and everybody that we could schedule. And so some schools were, you know, it's just like out of our league, really, for, again, you use the word infancy. Um, we were very much an infant at that time. <laughs> at that time. Well, you joined the ODAC in the early 90s. Um, took a couple of years of eligibility before you could start qualifying for championships. You get to the championship in 95. You lose the first time. You get there again in 96. 96, the year where you really kind of planted the flag, 28-2. and two. What do you remember the most about that team? Oh, my gosh. That was um, one of the first classes of solid recruits where um, when, the col- when the college made the decision to go Division Three in 1990, mm-hmm. um, 
they blessed me with a full-time assistant coach, Daniel Caffrey, and he was a heck of a recruiter. He did a great job of bringing that class in, and that class were seniors at that time of 1996. And so I remember that that's exactly what happens when you put the resources in, the time and effort, and you have you have what the men have, basically. Right. And so um, we began our success at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, 96 was the first. And in, as we got through into the new millennium, there were a couple of years where you're kind of middle of the road, middle of the league. And then things really took off on a consistent basis uh, there in the decade of the 2000s. Um, when did you first meet Megan Silva? When she was a freshman at Hermitage. <laughs> a little. I, I will have to say, and this is no disrespect, um, she was just a little girl, a freshman at Hermitage. And I went to see Hermitage play, and I forget who they were playing, and I thought, wow, that player is going to be really good. And I just watched her and watched her through her four years of high school. And I thought, wow, she just keeps getting better and better. And, and I didn't think that we had a chance. And then her dad called me in January of her senior year and said, I understand that there's an open house at Randolph-Macon tomorrow, which was a Sunday. We did open houses on Sunday. And um, we'd like to come up and visit. Are you going to be around? And I said, yes, I can be. (laughs) I can be. And I said, I do go to church, um, so I would be available at 1215. And so he said, perfect. Well, they came and visit. They came and visited, and uh, Megan told me later, she said, you had my mom right off the bat because when you told me that uh, you would be available after church, she thought that that was was good. Good selling point right there. Good job, good job. Uh, For those of you not familiar with Megan, went on to become National Player of the Year, uh, was part of the team that made it all the way to the National Championship game in 2005. Tell me a little bit about that journey that year. I wish I was covering the team in 05 just to to have seen that and the opportunity. Did it get more surreal as time went on and and you kept advancing? Yes. And um, our athletic director at the time was Dennis Kanick. And day in and day out, he would tell me, relax, enjoy this, Mm. enjoy it, Carol. You need to really understand what this means because it doesn't happen very often. And, you know, like you're so stressed out at the time because the more you win, the more you want to win. Mm -hmm. And um, that particular year you asked about, uh, I think that I was along for the ride. That group was highly motivated and they were on a mission. We had lost the ODAC championship their sophomore year and um, which was the previous year mm-hmm. and um, ironically Virginia Wesleyan was hosting the division three national tournament usually at the, at that time um, localities had it for a two-year commitment and so that was their first opportunity well when Megan Silva, Megan Sensky, and Michelle Orton, and another player, Ashley Henshaw, realized that the national Division Three National Tournament was going to be held at Virginia Wesleyan. They wanted to go down. So we all went down. And I said, this is a perfect opt- opportunity for them to see what 
final four teams are like. Right. You know, what do they have that we don't have? And those four players sat there and watched those four teams play, and they really realized, hey, they're no different than we are. They really are not. Maybe they have not just one player, but they have two players, three players. If you shut one player down, then Mm -hmm. another player steps up. If you shut those two players down, then somebody else steps up. And that's exactly what happened to Randolph-Macon in 2004, 2005. I mean, teams would try to contain Megan, and Salem Schaefer would step up. So then they say, okay, Megan and Salem are the ones. Well, then Megan Sensky and Michelle Orton would step up. <laughs> they say, okay, well, we're going to shut those people down. Well, Emily Kreider and Marta Merkel would show up. And <laughs> it was just um, it was just fun, just fun, because nobody could, could contain us until we got to the championship the game. championship game. <clears throat> yeah, I know that was a, a, a tough pill to swallow, to make it all the way to the final and, and not win, but still. Would you, just from an X's and O's standpoint, consider that postseason run that season the highlight of your career? Well, certainly it it tops. It, mm-hmm. it really does. I mean, because like Coach Canick said, you don't get there very often. And I think about that. And every time, you know, I have the opportunity with Megan and um, both Megan's and Michelle, they just said, could could we just have that game back? back. <laughs> and, you know, my brother, my brother Jim said, you know, if you played them 10 times, you probably would beat them nine. Mm. Um, that particular day, as close as we were to the ocean, we could not throw that ball <laughs> in, in there. And sometimes I lament that to various people and they look at me and they go, coach. It could have been in the ODAC championship. You yep. wouldn't you wouldn't have even had the opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament. That's right. And so, you know, that kind of puts it in perspective a it, little bit. Oh, it most certainly does. 30 and 2. Wow. I mean, to win 30 games at the Division three level is very difficult, even today, because you play 25 regular season games. Yes. And then if you do well, and you don't have to worry about that first round of the ODAC tournament. Three down in Salem, that's 28 you got to get to the round of 32 in the NCAA before you even play game number 30. Mm-hmm. So to, to go 30 into that year, it's just simply phenomenal. And then the, the success kept coming. Here comes the uh, Molly Ariel and Jillian Essay and, and, and Maggie Roy and, and that crew in the early part of the, of the past decade, just the teens here that we just ended a few, uh, few months ago. Uh, and, and then came that one transitional year in, in 2013-14, where you, you lost a lot to graduation, the team struggled, but there were these four freshmen. And it, it, it was a tough year to watch, but you could see it's coming. It's coming. And, and I know we talked about the highest of highs. How does a coach manage after consistently winning 20 games, a 6-21 and 21 season, but you see all the talent that's around you? That was probably one of the worst or most frustrating seasons because I knew, and so did my assistant coaches, knew that we had the talent on that floor. Mm -hmm. And that particular year, um, we lost a lot of games by two points, four points. I think the most we lost by was maybe nine points that particular season. So, you know, a rebound here, uh, extra... um, layup made um, little tiny things like that that was the frustrating part but we knew that that talent was there and um, they wanted to win they worked hard but it was like they didn't know how to win and 
you know, as much as we tried, we just couldn't get them over the hump until, lo and behold, their sophomore year, they burst out of the, the bud. Turn it right around. And, sure and, did. and in 2014, as sophomores, they captured the ODAG championship. Just yes. Amazing. And, and, you know, Katie Anderson, who broke the the school record for rebounds oh, and having no idea that this kid from Garysburg, North Carolina was on her way. <laughs> right. Uh, Kajay Hester, uh, Lauren Buckdebean, and, and uh, Sarah Parsons was not a part of that quartet, both was in in those years and a very integral part of what happened. And that kid who, that redhead, wanted to shoot the three-pointer all the time. What's her name? Liverman? Oh my gosh. <laughs> she could shoot the three, couldn't she? <laughs> yes, she could. Yes, she could. Did she ever talk to you when you guys when it was still coach player about I want to coach was was that a desire of hers oh yes okay. right from the very beginning she always said I want to I want to be your assistant coach I want to come back and coach and I said well Hannah you've got to go out and you got to learn from somebody else I said I need you to go out I don't need somebody that's going to be a yes person or a yes coach LaHaye or think that I have all the right answers right and she did that I'm so proud of Hannah um she did that with her VCU grad program, mm-hmm. and I'm even thankful for Coach O'Boyle who gave her that opportunity and then put her in positions so it wasn't just, um, you know, a video position. She made her do some other things, so she got a taste of a lot of different things at VCU, and I'm grateful for that, and she brought that back to Randolph-Macon, and I think that has really helped us over these last three years. Oh, no doubt about that. And then speaking of which, you know, 2016, late 2016, early 2017, walk into Crenshaw first time, starting lineups are announced, and here comes, who's that? She's tall. (laughs) And for the first time, a lot of us got to see uh, this kid from Garysburg that I referenced a moment ago in Kelly Williams. Um, We'll do this, and then I want to talk a little bit about when we get back from the final break, um, about your decision and about the future. But I would be remiss if I didn't say, where did you find Kelly Williams? Because Garysburg, North Carolina, there's not a lot going on in Garysburg, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, Kelly found us. Uh, Kelly had a teacher, and um, that teacher recommended that she take a look at Randolph-Macon. So Kelly uh, contacted us to begin with and sent her video. And um, I'm thinking, wow. You know, nobody's recruiting this player. Nobody's recruiting this kind of talent. Right. And um, we called her up and and told her, get up here to Randolph-Macon. We want to meet you. We want to learn more about you. And so she and her dad showed up. And I remember the first question I usually ask prospective students is, so tell me about Kelly Williams. I know you're a basketball player, but that's about all I know. And the first words out of her mouth were... I like to fish with my daddy. <laughs> Love F- it. Fish and hunt with my daddy. And so um, that was that was the nailing point, really. That was it. That was it. Um, because we knew that um, she would she would excel at Randolph Macon. Right. Both academically and athletically. And um, she told me in during that meeting that if basketball ever interfered with her academics, did she just give up basketball? Hmm. So I knew she was a serious student. I mean, I, I sort of knew that academically from her high school, but when she said that, I thought, wow, um, 
that's kind of the kind of kid I want right. um, because I value their academic experience there. I mean, that's what their parents are paying all those dollars for right. is for them to get an education. We've only had one player that went on to the pro level in Molly Ariel. And so most of the time, their four years at Randolph-Macon, that's it that's for them. It. That's right. And so I knew that she had, would have the opportunity to get an outstanding education at Randolph-Macon. And that's, and that's really what our whole recruiting spiel is, is you will have the opportunity to get an outstanding education here at Randolph-Macon, and it's up to you to take advantage of it. And, and, and what a great final core group that came through here, and, and some that are still remaining, who still have eligibility remaining. Well, you know, Kelly is senior, Charlotte Woods. What a perfect compliment with Kelly. Just watching them on and off the court was just so much fun the last four years. We mentioned Michael. Uh, just, I, just the names can continue and continue. Before we take our final break, have you given yourself a chance since last Wednesday? to kind of take a few minutes and just sit down and just rewind the tape, so to speak, and just kind of think of all the people who have come through your program, not just the players, but their families and the assistance that you have had for all of these years. And the impact, and we know the impact you've had on us, the impact they've had on you. Oh my goodness. Um, without those assistant coaches, there's no way in the world. <laughs> and those outstanding players, uh, their talent, um, their love for the program, their desire to excel as much as I wanted to excel. But my assistant coaches, they put up a lot with a lot from me. And I am indebted for them, indebted to them for a long, long time. And I've really had some great assistant coaches. Anna Litton, Ashley yeah. Reed, C.K. Yes. Calhoun, uh, Brenda Ron was the very first one, um, and then Daniel Caffrey, I mentioned him already, mm. but Mary Holland, and I've had Kelly Malum from Minnesota, Michelle Walker from Mount Union, um, so I always thought that if I couldn't, we got beat in that ni 1996 NCAA tournament by Bethel College out of Minnesota, and so that following year, I hired somebody from Minnesota. <laughs> she happened to play at St. Ben's, but... <laughs> I said, if you can't beat them, you might as well have them join you. That's right. That's, ex so, that's exactly right. Anyway, outstanding assistant coaches along the way. Um, I just would not be where I am today without them. And I, I truly am grateful for every minute that they have given to me. Jay Stark, Dwight Watson. Mm. I mean, they're, they're volunteer assistants. Right. And I think about the time and energy that they have put into the program uh, without a single bit of pay. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you can hook up with passionate people like that, mm -hmm. can make a, a, such a huge difference. But to answer your question, I really haven't had a chance to think <laughs> about all of those players. I've been truly overwhelmed with the number of people that have reached out. Some former players, obviously, mm -hmm. and their parents. But um, I've just been really overwhelmed. And, you know, it's brought a lot of tears to my eyes, actually, because... You don't realize how many lives you have touched. And when they come back, you know, they don't tell you why you're going through it, but when they come back and and thank you and tell you, you know, a specific incident or a moment that they remember, um, then that, that gives you a chance to sit back and say, well, 
I did. I guess I did. I guess make I a, did. <laughs> make a difference. Oh, you most certainly did. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. I have two final questions for Coach, and we'll do them on the other side of our final break. Back in just a moment, Coach Carol LaHaye, you are in the red zone. In the red zone. We'll take a short time out. We'll be right back. So stay tuned to the Mater. Massey Wood and West has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923, offering the finest in HVAC systems, home heating, fuel oil, propane gas, and more. Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil cooling and heating equipment, offering professional service and installation of HVAC systems, gas, or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by a century of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West also gives you one stop shopping for standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and other quality Heil equipment. Call today. Stay cool in the summer, warm in the winter with Massey Wood and West. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Or go online to MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. Massey Wood and West, prompt, dependable service since 1923. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect and may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. 800-600-9969. That's 800-600-9969. couple of minutes left here with our conversation with former i can't say it it just won't come out of my mouth head women's basketball coach randolph making college carol LaHaye. so coach I, I said two more questions here's question one when did you know it was time was there a specific time or event or was it something gradual i think it's been gradual um i i've mentioned this to several other people you know the more and more people ask you like how much longer or Uh, When are you going to think about retiring? And then when you're recruits, prospective students begin to ask you, and then the parents want to know, you know, are you going to be here for four years? Right. Um, I guess when when your friends and colleagues and former players begin to ask you, it it just puts it in in the back of your mind, and you're thinking, well, maybe I should. Maybe it's time. Maybe they think I should, or maybe I am getting old. (laughs) But it's... um, so it, it's been swirling around, mm-hmm. absolutely, for the last 
probably four years, but I would ne- I never grabbed hold of it um, because I was still having fun. Right. And I was still enjoying what I was doing. And I would ask you that question every year in the preseason. Why mm-hmm. do you keep doing what you do? Mm-hmm. And, and it was blatantly obvious that the passion was still there, even coming into this season. Right. But then, you know, this year, as I begin to think about it a little more seriously, um, well, I have a sister that's retired and a brother that's retired. Uh, In the paper, it said two sisters, but a a sister and a brother, both younger than me, and um, they're retired, and they keep saying, come on, come on, we got to do things. And my sister in Alaska is the one who wants to do things during the wintertime. Right. That's obviously my busiest season you've been slightly busy (laughs) she she's been an instigator with um a lot of this but my brother um another younger brother he he just bought a place in florida and he keeps saying come on come on you come on down here now that your season's over Mm -hmm. all of that but at any rate um it finally uh kind of hit this year the long trips, uh, getting home at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I always stayed once we got home to do the laundry, would wash the uniforms and all of that. That that was my downtime, my quiet time. Once we returned from a trip or even after our games at home, I would stay and do the laundry. How many of you out there listening knew that? Think about that. No, but that was my quiet time. Like I said, my downtime. It gave me an opportunity as I pulled each one of those jerseys out mm. of the wash and uh, hanged it to dry. Um, was, you know, what that person meant to me. Wow. Mm. I, I can't imagine what you were thinking when you got back from Lexington then. Well, that was even tougher because yeah. I had their practice uniforms and their uniforms to wash at the same time. But, yeah. um, it was um, it was pretty emotional. Yeah. So what's next? There's there's a new chapter, and I know your family's itching to see you and spend a lot of time with you, and that's on the way. But what else is going to occupy your time, and your competitive nature? Because I know that's still there. Well, uh, I have some friends that are encouraging me to hit the golf course, which is good. Um, I don't know how ab- about being competitive on the golf course i'm not that good but um i will love to go out and spend some time walking or i've already had a couple people say well we can walk or we can get separate carts and i go no i i'd like to walk and yeah. they go, walk walk and i said yes i want to walk but um i love to work in my in the yard um i'm the groundskeeper at my church um, so I have enough things to keep me busy. I've got some projects in my house that painting and different things, um, just cleaning out. Um, probably the most major project I have right now is cleaning my office because <laughs> that's 40 years of junk in there. Oh, man. And some of the stuff that um, I just need to get rid of. I mean, nobody wants nobody wants books anymore. Nobody, everything's at your fingertips. You, yeah. know, you can just click on and find and find a drill, find an out of bounds play. And I've got notebook after notebook of just drills and plays and things like that. Oh, and wow. I guess I'll just toss them. Mm. Toss them. We'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have an idea about that. Okay. Uh, uh, the final, I, I lied, I got one final question. Uh, to, to wrap everything up, and, and you've told me so many times, you, you kind of, you know, you blinked your eyes and suddenly all the years had passed by. Um, Ashland has to be a pretty special place for somebody from Maine to decide, you know what, I'm going to be here for the next 40 plus years. 
What does Ashland, Virginia mean to you? Well, it's where I've spent over half of my life. I have some dear friends here. Um, my church means a lot to me. And I, I just can't see myself going, you know, my family, they have their families mm -hmm. and they're uh, engrossed in their livelihoods and, and all of that, which I'm certainly included. I, I stay up with my nieces and nephews and my great nieces and nephews. And they come to, they've come to watch me coach and we have family reunions and all of that. But right now, um, I'm staying in Ashland because it does mean a lot to me. And I, I have some really close and dear friends that I'd hate to say goodbye to and just go back to Maine. Exactly. To be with my family. Exactly. Well, Ashland, Virginia is the better for you. Thank you, uh, Poor Farm Park. <laughs> <laughs> and the snakes. Yes, and the snakes. Exactly. <laughs> Coach LaHaye, cannot thank you enough for taking time to talk with us tonight. Congratulations on just a phenomenal career. Uh, everything that you have done for Randolph-Macon College and this community. Uh, it's, it's been an honor to, to be able to have witnessed at least some of that journey. And uh, thank you for being with us here tonight. Thank you for having me, Rob. And you've done so much for women's basketball that um, I really thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. You are most certainly welcome. All right, my friends. Next week in the Red Zone, another conversation of this nature. Only this one came to a sudden stop. Jackie Davis announced early in March that after 20 years as head coach at Lee Davis Softball, 2020 would be her final season. And then COVID-19 hit, and the season, it looks like, is not going to happen. And Coach Davis has decided that she's going to stand by her decision. Coach will join us live next week to talk about her career and her future as well. That's Jackie Davis, Lee Davis Softball, our, our guest coming up next Monday night. My thanks to Coach LaHaye, my thanks to Massey Wood and West, to We Think and Inc., and our friends at Sports Page Grill Ashland, and thanks to Calvin on the other side of the window, socially distancing correctly. I'll be back with you later tonight at 9 for Party of Two and back next week here in the Red Zone. Good night, everybody. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.